So we are in the middle of a series called uh, How To. So if we want to grow to where God wants us to be as a church, and uh, a couple of weeks ago we talked about um, where I think that is, is we want to be, be great at, um, at doing the basics well, at trying to build connection through life groups. We'll look at that more over the next few weeks. And through uh, just creating a great church culture. If we want to do that, I think we really need to all be on the same page on how we um, practice our faith. How do I come to church? How do I pray? How do I be a Christian? These are basic how-to things. And uh, last week we looked at the first one, how to be a Christian. If you weren't there, we talked about four things um, that that basically, I think, encapsulate the start of that journey, which is um, this this need to, to ask, to repent, to receive, and to be sent. And we'll come back to that. But as I was uh, thinking about it this week, I realized um, I was going to go into the next how-to topic, but I realized there's actually a big key area of how to be a Christian that we didn't cover. And so if you thought you had the the whole how to be a Christian thing down pat, wait, there's more, uh, part two. And so I've got a few things that I want to share that are building on that. Um, some of you might be exploring faith for the first time. That's great. If you're still figuring out where you fit with the whole Jesus thing and faith thing, you found yourself in church and a great time to be here because we're trying to explore the basics. Uh, if, you're, uh, if you've been a Christian for a long time, that's great too. And maybe for some of you, uh, maybe you feel like you've been going on this journey and you have done those things. You have asked God to reveal himself. You have repented. You have done some of these things. But somewhere along the way, you got stuck. I reckon we can sometimes be there. Uh, earlier this week, uh, I caught up with some friends and we went out to Lake Mudamir and uh, went kayaking and it was good fun and then we had dinner and just as the sun was going down, there's this track around the side of Lake Mudamir and uh, we thought, hey, let, let's go for a drive on this track to go out. And these friends have a, like a proper four-wheel drive. I have a pretend four-wheel drive. And, um, <laughs> The, these people were like, yeah, all right, we can do this. And there was a few sort of muddy patches, a few points where I was like, mm, a bit concerned. But uh, these guys went through and then they got stuck. And I, I'm making the most of this story because there's not very many times that a Volvo trumps a Land Rover. But these guys got stuck in this puddle and I made it through in my Volvo, just saying. Uh, but what happened was these people went into uh, some, some wheel ruts and there was some water there and the wheels just started spinning and it just stopped and the car tried to go forward and it couldn't get any traction and it couldn't go backwards they couldn't even get back to where they were it was just stuck and uh, if you've ever been in that experience it is slightly embarrassing and quite uncomfortable but they made it out it's all good but I wonder if you've been there I wonder if you've been there in your faith that you've been where Hey, maybe I have tried some of those things. I have asked God to reveal himself. I have sought him. I have tried to repent and bring myself before him. But, but somewhere along the line, the wheels have started spinning. <laughs> and just parked. Well, or, or we're trying to get traction and it just, it's, it's, there's nothing to, to grab onto. If that's you, I think this is what we need to look at. And so we're looking at how to be a Christian. And in that, I've got three things that I think we can build on. So we looked at these basics last week, but I want to talk about why we need more than just those basics. What that more is, and how we get it. 
Now, um, why we need more than that? And at the very basic, it's, it's quite simple. When you think about it, the why is when you start a journey, there's a journey to come, right? Uh, as I thought about these four things we looked at, so, so the, the four things from last week, if you weren't with us, they, they would ask God uh, to reveal himself, to, to seek him, to repent and lay your whole story before him, uh, to receive what he's got for you. Is that the right? I made a mistake last week. E-I? E-I, E-I yeah. And, and then to be sent. And really, that's the... the um, the bar, if you like, the, 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 the standard of what it means to be a Christian. If you haven't done those things, it's, it's really hard to have a vibrant faith. Uh, as I was thinking about this, when you think about it, asking is so important to actually seek God. Last week, we looked at Hebrews 11 and, and it says, Now without faith, it is impossible to please God. For anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. He's saying we've got to seek him and actually hunger for him. Because if you haven't done that, it says it's impossible to seek God. It's impossible to please God. That's a, that's a pretty harsh word. So... Really, really important. We looked at last week how such a key part of being a Christian is to lay our story before God and say, God, I can't deal with this on my own. And we need that. that is, that's repentance. To receive it. Um, if we haven't actually said yes to God and have a moment where we can say, yes, I've, I've taken on what God's got for me. I've said yes to him. If we haven't done that, it's, it's really hard to be a Christian. In John 1, it says, But to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to be children of God. To all who received him, you have to say yes. And ultimately to be sent to realize my life isn't my own. I, 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 I've, I've actually been bought at a price and God has given me a plan and a purpose for your life that isn't just for your own self. It's not selfish. You've got a part to play. So this is the start. But there is a journey on from here. It doesn't stop here. It keeps going. There's, there's, a, there's an onwards and upwards. Now the other side of, of this, I think, is that the reason why we need more than this is the statistics. Uh, I was reading a really interesting study this week. Um, by a group called Barna. They do a bunch of research on Christian stuff and faith. And I've got a slide on the next uh, screen, which is that they did a study of, of massive amounts of millennials, people my age. Are you able to answer press next? Thank you. Um, people my age, millennials, and they found uh, 15,000 people in 15 different countries right around the world. And they looked at, how was their faith going? Now, these three circles should be, I think, the scariest thing for us as a church. It might not look so scary on the screen, but here's the thing. They've got four categories, and they looked at people who said, I've grown up in church, I've grown up as a Christian, but this is where they ended up. They have four categories. Prodigals are those who grew up as Christians, but walked away. They no longer identify as Christians. Prodigals, nomads, were those who uh, say they're a Christian, but regularly, you know, they, they, they don't come to church. They're like, yeah, I'm a Christian, I'm just not into the whole church thing, and Jesus thing. Habitual churchgoers, they say they're a Christian, maybe they come every so often, at least once a month, but they haven't actually, they're not all the way in. 
They're, they're still on the fringe. They still got some questions. They're still kind of, they haven't bought in yet. And they're like, yeah, I'm still figuring it out. And ultimately, resilient disciples are those who are like, yeah, I'm, I'm all in. I attend a local church. I'm engaging. I, I firmly believe I'm committed to um, letting my faith impact my life and my actions. These four categories. And this is for Australia. The blue circle in the middle. Do you want to go to the next slide? Um, this is for Australia. 8% of people who grew up in church say they would, would fit in the box of resilient disciples. 8%. This is not 8% of the community. This is 8% of people who grew up in church, who went to youth group, who came to church on Sunday, who, who, who were supposedly formed in their faith. That is not even 1 in 10 that should be terrifying. If you add in the people who come to church every so often, there's 29%. There's one third. On the other side, 72% of people my age have walked away. That should be terrifying. Because if we have the truth, Christians believe that we have a message of hope and freedom and that this is a good news for all the world and it lets people be right with God, then we're not forming it and passing that on and we're not creating resilient disciples who in a world of chaos and confusion and fear have a faith that can withstand the storms. That is bad news. And so at the very least, the why we need more is because what we've been doing hasn't worked. So what's next? We can go to the next slide. Thank you. Um, what's, what is the next? And in order for us to have a look at what that next is, I want us to have a look at Ephesians chapter 4. If you've got a Bible, you can open it up. Ephesians chapter 4. If you've got a phone, pull it out. Open up the Bible app. If you don't have that, you can just Google Ephesians chapter 4 and we're going to walk, walk through it. Um, now, there's a whole ton in this chapter. And we're not going to look at it all, but we're just going to stay at 30,000 feet. And I think this is a great place to look at what it means to do the Christian walk. Ephesians is a letter to a bunch of the early churches from a Christian leader called Paul. And Paul was describing what it means to do the Christian life. He starts with the first couple of chapters saying, I want you to know that God has achieved it all for you in Jesus. To sit and actually realize Jesus has done it all. But the next thing, in chapter 4 he comes along and says, once you get that... Once you realize what God has done for you, then <laughs> once, once you realize what God has done for you, there's a journey to go on. Have you got Ephesians 4? Say yes if you have it. A few people still waiting? Yes? I'll give you a second. Ephesians chapter 4. In Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1 it says, As a prisoner for the Lord Jesus, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. When it says live a life Literally is the word walk. So he's saying, this is how you walk. This is how you do the journey of being a Christian. And then he keeps going and he says, be completely humble, be gentle, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace, for there is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. He's describing this, the process of stepping into faith, right? There's this one message and you realize 
I can be accepted into the family of God and I can, I can get this forgiveness and this freedom and this acceptance. I can be in. This is the first step of this journey. And uh, the first step is believing. This one message. There's this one hope, one God, a father of all. But then he says, it doesn't stop there. But to each one, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. But to each one, we've been given a part to play. It goes on and says that... um, uh, this is why it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to people. In other words, you have a part to play. It's easy to just start and go, okay, I'm in the family, I belong, I'm accepted. But once you get that, then you're sent to realize, actually, no, I've got something to contribute. This isn't just about what I can get, this is about what I can bring. And it goes on and he says... Um, he says, what does he ascended mean other than that he also descended? It's talking about Jesus. That Jesus came down to be with us, to show us a pattern, a way of living. And that he who descended is the very one that ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the universe with himself. Long and the short, Jesus is ruler and king of everyone. And if that's the case, then I've got to follow his pattern. And as we get that, he keeps talking about gifts. Paul goes on and he says, God has given the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service. You have a part to play. He's starting to show what this looks like. To prepare God's people. When you come into the church and you're contributing, you're preparing others to contribute too. To prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ will be built up in every way until we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God. Why does this thing keep... What have I done wrong? Anyway. Uh, So, follow his pattern. You've got a part to play. But then the next key thing is he says, you need to mature. We're all building each other up until we reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Paul wants you to grow up. He makes this point again and again. He's like, attain to the whole measure. And then he goes on and he slays it out. He's like, then you won't be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching. He's saying, don't be a baby. A spiritual baby is dependent on someone else to feed them. They're dependent on someone else to make them grow. But he says, grow up. Take responsibility for your own spiritual growth. You're not a baby anymore. You've grown up. So then you won't be infants tossed here and there by whatever comes. But in everything, you'll start to grow into him who is the head. That is Christ. And the whole body is joined together in him and it grows as each part does its own work. The next step is unity. Realizing I've actually got, it's not about me, it's about what we're doing together and the mission that God has for us. It's actually about this part that I have to play, so I'm going to join in. Even when things aren't exactly how I want them, I'm going to lean in. Even when I'm not exactly fitting in and it's sort of, I'm not a perfect fit, I'm believing in the unity, so I'm going to lean in. He goes on. And now Paul starts to, to go into the next stage and he's like, I write this to you and insist on it in the Lord 
that you no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They've been darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God. Paul is saying there is a process of inner renewal that I need to start to look at myself objectively and have some self-awareness and go, am I just like everyone else? Are my motivations and my actions just like everyone else? Or am I something different? He's always saying, don't be like everyone else. Actually, instead, change on the inside. He's saying these, these people are darkened in their understanding. They're separated from God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their heart and having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of immorality with a continual lust for more. Paul is painting a bleak picture saying, without God, it's a dead end. But instead, he's like, you didn't come to know Jesus that way. Surely you heard of him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. So inner renewal happens. I'm going to take this off and I'm going to use the roving thing. I don't even know how to get it out of my coat. It's just going to hang there. <laughs> That's right. Okay. Am I on? Okay. And so inner renewal happens when I look at the truth, the objective truth, not just my subjective experience, but the objective truth of what God says and compare it with my life and go, am I just like everyone else? Or am I being transformed on the inside? And Paul starts to show what that looks like. He's like, put off the old self, which has been corrupted by its deceitful desires, and change the way you think and put on the new self created to be like God. And so this inner renewal, you put off the stuff that like, oh my goodness, I'm not like Jesus in that. And you change your thinking and you're like, actually, I need to become more like Jesus. There's stuff I've got to put off and there's stuff I've got to pick up. Put off the old self, put on the new self. And then now, Paul starts to finish up and he starts going, and then we get to character. He starts talking about um, the way in which we, we let go of, of stuff that is holding us back. He's like, don't be angry. Don't, or, actually, he doesn't say don't be angry. He said, in your anger, don't sin. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry and so give the devil a foothold. He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their hands. Paul is saying, let's, let's work in the nitty gritty and letting the gospel change the way you think. And then he says, and don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. This is a challenging one. If you aren't challenged by this, you're not self-aware because, man, I think we all struggle with this. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who hear. Man. How crazy is this? Are my words building others up or tearing them down? Are my my words putting life into people or are they taking it? Are my words actually growing people and enlarging them or are they restricting them? Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up. And he's like, don't grieve the spirit of God. Is what I'm doing honoring God or is it pulling me away from God? And finally, he's like, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, and brawling, and slander, and and, and just every kind of malice. And instead, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, 
Just as in Christ God forgave you. And in so doing, Paul finishes this line by getting to the gospel, which says, hey, this is where we started. When I realized that God has done it all for me in Jesus, when I realized that I'm forgiven and accepted and set free, it, 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 it changes me, but it sets me on this trajectory. Can you see that? Can you see that? It sets you on this trajectory. It doesn't just set me in, okay, now I'm a Christian. I'm going to wait around for Jesus to come back and I'm going to die and go to heaven. No, it sets you on a growth trajectory that on the inside I'm transformed. Are you doing that? Can you honestly say that I'm quantifiably further along the journey than I was? That I actually, yeah, I'm maturing. I don't have it all together, but I'm a step further than I was yesterday. Maybe I'm not exactly following his pattern, but I'm seeking after him. Maybe I haven't actually been renewed completely, but at least I've seen that, man, this is the area I need to change, and I'm bringing that to God. Can you see? It's a trajectory. It sets you on a journey. And this is the what? What is the what? What's the ex- what does it mean to be a Christian? It means to follow the pattern of Jesus, to follow this, this practice of the way of Jesus. And it's a lifestyle. It's not just a belief. It is a belief. But it's an invitation to a new way of being human. How are we going? Are we still awake? We're, we're, we're here. I haven't, haven't lost you. Good. <laughs> so how do we do this? How do we do this? And uh, I've got two things I want to talk about here. First is that um, coming back to that study I just talked about, um, hopefully we are terrified by the fact that 8% of people grow up in church, stick with it. But there's good news in this because this study was done around the world and in some other countries, some of the statistics are pretty mind-blowing. So I had a look at the study done for Asia, for instance. And uh, in Malaysia, these are crazy, crazy numbers. In Malaysia, the numbers of people that are so on, they grow up in church and they're still on fire are 24%. Now, you might go, oh, it's only 24%. That is three times what is happening in Australia. And not only that, 65% of people of my age stay in church. <laughs> Crazy. If you look at Indonesia, 20% are um, resilient disciples, but 85% stay in church. Which, needs, which means that we need to look at what are the people doing in developing countries? What are people doing in the non-Western world? A lot of the content that we get is from America. America has the same statistics as us, so we shouldn't be comparing with them. Look at, look at the non-Western world. What are they doing? And this study found a few things. I've got another slide on the screen. This is just some more content, and then we'll get to what it means practically. It found five practices that resilient disciples did. They experienced intimacy with Jesus. In other words, when they came to church, it wasn't just about what I can, um, what I can, can like, not my own preferences. It wasn't even about, um, hey, this is a good time with my friends. This is a time to lean into Jesus and hunger after him. The second practice was, in a complex and anxious age, develop the muscles of cultural discernment. We're getting a bombardment of information overload. I saw that uh, the same study looked at social media use versus spiritual input. The average person my age has 10 times more social media content input than spiritual input. That's forming us. 
The movies you watch, the games you play, the people you follow on social media, that is forming you into, the way, into, into a particular framework and way of seeing. You need to develop the muscle of discernment. Hey, this is not pulling me closer to Jesus. Hey, this person I'm following, this news that I'm consuming, this habit of looking at the news before I read the Bible, whatever it is, am I culturally discerning what's forming me? Third thing, uh, when isolation and mistrust are the norms, is relationships. It's community. In these non-Western countries, Church wasn't just a Sunday morning thing. It was an all-of-life thing. This is a commitment to just loving each other and doing community. The fourth thing was they trained for vocational discipleship. In other words, being a Christian in the real world. Not just a set of beliefs that's pie in the sky. What does it mean on the ground? And fifthly, countercultural mission. Instead of it just being about me, it was this calling to sacrifice radically. To love people in such a way that it costs us. And people go, why are you so generous? Why are you so different? That's what the study found. And if... That, I, I feel like we've had a lot of information in this last little bit. Maybe if your eyes are glazing over and you're like, I don't know what's I'm taking this all in. What this means on the ground is faith needs to have legs. It needs to have a, a, a lifestyle attached to it. It's not just a idea or a belief. It is those things, but it's more than those things. And to figure out what that looks like, I have some homework for you. Uh, I found um, this really helpful booklet, and I think you'll find it too. Um, it's called Developing a Personal Rule of Life. Now, some of us hear the word rule and, and freak out. That is me. But I have found this to be so helpful. And what it's saying is, what are the things you're doing daily, weekly, monthly, that are forming you in the way of Jesus? Faith isn't just something I tack onto my life. It's the habits that I do. There's two sayings that I feel like I've are glued with recently. The first is that uh, if you want to change your life, change what you do daily. Are you spiritually stagnant? Maybe the wheels are going around in the mud. What are you doing? What are you doing that's forming that? Because you're the whatever you're doing is probably creating the outcome. So, so what are you practicing daily that forms you into the way of Jesus? The second saying which I love is, win the morning, win the day. What's, what are you doing is the first thing you get up that's going to set you up for success in your faith walk today. What are you doing that's going to say, I'm going to, I'm going to prioritize what I know is valuable so that when the assault of cultural information comes that I've got to discern, I've set up for success. So uh, maybe I'll grab a couple of volunteers to pass these around. We're not going to walk through them in detail. Um, Uh, but instead, I just want to quickly highlight, how does this look in practice? Well, about three pages in is a page that says Seven Core Practices of the Way. And I think it's, it's a really helpful book. Go have a look at it when you get home. Three or four things that... Um, oh, sorry, seven things that are really key practices. Silence and solitude. A moment of intentional quiet time just alone with God in the start of the day. Scripture, continually committing to studying the Word of God. Prayer, this is central to the life 
with God is this, this woven into the fabric of our being is a relationship with God. And there's a bunch of others. Fasting, simplicity, living in community, Sabbath. These are practices that form us into the way of Jesus. Now, rather than us going through, as I said, I'm going to leave that with you and, and we're going to finish up. As we do finish up, I want to leave you with this quote. It's on the back of your booklet. You can have a look at it. And when you close your booklet, have a look on the back. And it says, as we go forward in our life and faith, as we go forward, progressing along the journey, we're not stuck where we are, we're progressing. As we go forward in our life and faith, our hearts will expand and we will run the way of God's commandments with unspeakable sweetness of love. The good news of Jesus is that he has completely accepted you and set you free. And not based on what you do, but based on his grace. That he's chosen to just love you as his child because he chose to. But we have the hard work of applying that, of contextualizing it, of letting it sink in. But you know, it's worth it. Because when you do, you can run the way of God's commandments with unspeakable sweetness of love. What a promise. Can I encourage you, please don't take this booklet home and let it sit under the pile of paperwork on the kitchen table. (laughs) Open it up. Because we saw here, you are responsible for your spiritual growth. If you want to draw closer to Jesus, if you want to let, get out of the mud and stop the wheel spinning, then find the practices that draw you closer to Jesus. Find the things that will bring you life. Find the things that will grow you into all that Christ has for you. And that is unspeakable sweetness of life. Let me pray.